0: Yeah, so in terms of the acquisition, again, we like to uh, use the keep and sever method, where we keep the existing house and we sever. By doing that, we're able to go to the Schedule A banks to get a traditional eighty percent loan to value mortgage. Where it gets tricky is when you do the the severance. So when you sever and create a new lot, before you actually complete the severance, you have to go through a process called the partial discharge meaning they have to discharge that new lot because they're not going to securitize that portion. Now, I might be losing some of your your, your listeners at this point because I know it's a little complicated. In fact, when you go through this process, obviously, your, your lawyer is going to be involved with this. Talk to your bank early in the process. This process is taking like 8 to 12 weeks to get completed because a lot of the branches and the branch managers and even people in the central mortgage unit don't really know how to do the partial discharge.
1: You are listening to the Savvy Real Estate Investor Show, the podcast dedicated to empowering you to invest for your family's future. Listen in to learn about different strategies successful investors use to live their best lives. Whether you are starting out on your real estate wealth building journey or a seasoned investor looking for the next unfair advantage, this is the show for you. Each conversation will help you be more savvy when it comes to understanding how to leverage real estate to achieve your goals and live an extraordinary life. Your host is none other than seasoned investors and power couple, Jose and Khadija Jafferji, founders of the Savvy Real Estate Group, where we have been helping passive investors grow their wealth and getting them one step closer to financial freedom since 2008.
2: Hey, fellow Savvy Real Estate Investors, we have Steve and Charles on our show today. They are partners at Gateway Group and are working on some really cool infill development projects throughout the Golden Horseshoe area.
3: Steve and Charles have an awesome business partnership and they bring such unique skills to the table. And we were really able to delve into that a little bit. They are experts at infill development and figuring out creative ways to use land in existing residential neighborhoods. They're actually working on various development projects of various sizes, and they're actively running an organization focused on just this. If you are interested in getting started in development, infill is such a great strategy, and you'll learn a ton from these guys who are completing projects from start to finish. So let me introduce you to Charles and Steve.
2: Hey, guys, I have Charles and Steve on our show today thanks for thanks for being on our show and I'm gonna get right into it uh, Tell us how you guys got into real estate and and maybe before that how you guys met
4: well good morning guys uh, sure uh, basically obviously through networking um, we both uh, were both members of uh, Rockstar Realty uh, so we started going to classes there initially met uh, Andy Tran one of our uh, other business partners. And, uh, I met Andy probably about two, three years before I actually met Charles, but Andy had, uh, mentioned to me many years before that he wanted to get into development and building. I kind of blew him off in the sense of, I was like, I don't have time to, to do this stuff. I, I work 44 hours a week. Uh, but about two years later, he introduced me to Charles. I was actually trying to introduce Andy and Charles, the the developers to some guys that I knew that had some money. So I, uh, I was kind of the fifth wheel. I I took them on a date, introduced them to each other. And, uh, after that dinner, actually, I ended up, um, building our, our first St. Catharines project with Andy and Charles. And, uh, we, I don't think we've ever talked to those other guys again, but, um, so just basically just, uh, networking, uh, getting to know Andy. And then, uh, the rest is history in the sense of like a few builds later and many, many more ahead.
3: Yeah, that's uh, that's awesome how, um, you know, networking, you yes. hear that, right? In the real yes. estate world uh, really brings people together. So yeah, you guys are, you guys work together now. Maybe tell us a little bit about uh, what sort of what, what the partnership looks like. Like what is what is the unique sort of skill that you each bring to the table? I, Steve, you alluded to your job and... Uh, being in the building world? Um, maybe you guys can just expand on that a little bit.
0: So I came from the the development world um, where I work on everything from the acquisitions of land through to the development approvals. And what I was missing was the construction side. And that's why when when Steve uh, and I met, he was the perfect complement to our team because we didn't have that construction expert. And so Steve, yeah, so Steve leads our, our builds Uh, He's learned a lot over the past few years on the development side, and likewise, I've learned a lot from him on the construction side. Uh, On our very first project, I dedicated uh, a lot of time to being on site, uh, being with the trades, uh, learning a lot of things, and it's been it's been a great journey so far. But as we grow, we want to focus more on our high value tasks, which means I'm not on site as 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 often or or ever anymore. I guess with with Steve taking care of things, I'm more on the on the Front end with the uh, with the development stuff.
2: Yeah, and and, and Steve, maybe for the audience, uh, just give a background about you know where you came from, your your job experience, in, you know in the as a production builder.
4: Sure. So uh, I uh, I ended up going to college for construction engineering technology. Uh, right out of college, I actually worked for a building co consultant. It didn't take long. It, it took my first uh, annual review with them to realize I wasn't going to cut it in the uh, kind of corporate world uh, in the sense of doing reports and wearing dress clothes uh, definitely wasn't my thing. Uh, and then when they, they didn't increase my salary, it was a good uh, heads up that maybe this isn't the best role for me. So luckily, because of that, I jumped into building houses. Uh, so I started working for a, a, a GTA production builder so for the past 15 years I've been building uh, single semis towns on production sites I just think uh, like a uh, Madamemy homes or a um, like a, a big builder like that so we're doing everything from uh, 50 unit sites to, to 236 unit sites uh, so when it comes to house construction I've I, at this point I've seen pretty much anything that can go wrong or, or uh, hopefully most of the things that go right um, so with that background, I've been able to jump in with Charles and some of our other partners to do some of these smaller infill projects. So uh, as of uh, this ye- past few months, I've actually stepped away from my full-time uh, position as a project manager, and I'll be focusing, uh, working with Charles, Gateway team, and some of our, our own uh, partner companies uh, doing infill developments and even some uh, some larger scale developments as well.
0: And for the for your listeners' benefit, at Gateway Group, we specialize in infill developments, which is building within the urban boundary. We typically build within existing neighborhoods. Uh, we like to call it like filling the gap or the missing teeth. Um, when you're going walking down neighborhoods, a lot of times you still look at that double lot or that extra wide lot, extra deep lot or corner. And uh, those are the type of projects that we look at. It's kind of like incremental development. We're not going huge. We're just making incremental change within the neighborhoods to help intensify within these urban, uh, out areas. And it's, this is what the provincial mandate is. We, we're needing more intensification. You're seeing a lot of anti sprawl. Um, and it kind of goes right into our wheelhouse and, and our niche of building up within our existing cities using the existing infrastructure. Um, and, uh, so yeah, we, we have projects from anywhere from like, Oh, severing one lot to two up to projects uh up to 12 units on, on a site or even we have one that's we're proposing 16 so we have a wide range of like these these infill developments
3: yeah that's really cool i was just going to ask you that question that uh you know um what's the difference between t- just explaining to our listeners the difference between infill versus like production development but you answered that right away so um
0: yeah, so Steve's used to it's called greenfield development, where he's in like a farmer's field, and it's like acres and acres of land. Um, it's beautiful of space when you're to building. More material. That's it. Uh, when we're doing our infills, it, as as you would know on on, on your own project, um, there there is uh, challenge. There's challenges with uh, with space, especially where you stockpile fill. You have to deal with more neighbors. Uh, you have to, you know, when we're going for approvals. We'll talk to, we'll we'll be upfront and talk to a lot of our neighbors. So there's uh, interesting challenges uh, that come with infill, but uh, we, we love it.
2: Now, what would you say, it, you know, why this infill strategy is such a great strategy, especially now, uh, you know, in today's environment where the market is just going nuts?
0: So being born and raised in Hamilton, I still live in Hamilton. A lot of our projects are in Hamilton. Um, As some of your listeners may know, there's been a nasty, a really ugly debate here in Hamilton for the urban boundary expansion. So council voted uh, against an expansion, even though the city of Hamilton planning staff had recommended like a middle ground. It wasn't uh, super aggressive. It was expanding uh, a a little bit. Now, with all that happening, um, there's going to be more intensification. So they knew that we have to hit certain growth targets that are that are set by the province, and if we're not going to expand the the urban boundary, well, then we have to expand from within. So now the city of Hamilton, and this ha- is happening with a lot of other municipalities, so it's not just Hamilton, is that they have a target intensification rate of eighty percent, and for the past ten years, I believe their average intensification rate has been like forty percent. So it's a drastic change. I'm not sure if it's realistic or not, which really kind of helps us with our projects in terms of getting approvals. And then secondly. I would say that we're in a nice niche where the larger builders, it's too small for them. So they're not competing against the the parcels that we're looking at. And yet for the average investor, they perceive it as too difficult. Now, you know, we have a course and Jose, you've attended that course. We kind of like to dispel that myth that a lot of investors, they perceive it as being too challenging or too capital intensive. But I'm sure as you can attest, you know, if you're doing a a simple, like a single lot severance, it's not as crazy as it may seem, especially if you follow our preferred strategy of the keep and sever, where you buy a double lot, let's say or a wide lot. there's an existing house on by the the side of the of the lot line, and you can keep it you can have a a, a traditional mortgage eighty percent loan to value, and then sever off to create a brand new lot. so if you go through that whole process, any of it you could sell the lot at that point or if you even if you want to go through construction, you can go through construction financing. So if you really boil it down, one, it, it's it's not as complex as, as most investors would, would think. And then secondly, uh, from a capital perspective, a lot of this can be leveraged through the banks for traditional financing and then also for construction if you choose to go through construction. So long story short, I kind of went on a tangent there, is that uh, it's a nice niche where uh, there's not that much competition, yet there's tons of opportunities out there. Once you know what to look for. You go for a bike ride, you drive around, you can see these dilapidated garages, these side yards, everything around. So for us, we feel we can't even take on everything. We know we can't take on. We're like a sliver. We want. We really believe infill developments can help with supply and housing affordability. And we want more people such as yourselves and your listeners to do more infill developments because we truly believe that it could help with with many issues, including housing affordability, which is probably... The number one issue in in ontario and, and across the country right now
4: it's uh, it's also been a pretty cool experience over the past few years to jump into some of these neighborhoods that are a little bit rougher and usually there's maybe one or two new builds in the on the street or around the corner but uh, as we see we're, we're creating these uh, new homes uh we're we're transitioning so we're helping transition some of these neighborhoods That were once a little bit you like you you'd be hesitant to walk down at night um, into these like new family friendly situations or um, there's a really cool story of Charles I think it was you that drove down to uh, the the Violet Street build it was like a Saturday afternoon or something like that so it was a a semi detached each with a secondary uh, unit in the basement and all it was I think it was almost families in in all four units it was Saturday afternoon and. all the kids from all the units were out playing out front. So it was just kind of cool to see that we transformed this like dilapidated lot with a tear down garage into a spot where these uh, kids were playing out front. So it was a pretty cool experience to see that.
0: Yeah, Steve hit the nail on the head there. A lot, of, a lot of what we do is very fulfilling. Like we're not doing it for for the money. We're not trying to maximize density. We're trying to do what we believe is best for the communities that we're, that we're in. And I love that story, Steve, that you're talking about. Super fulfilling to, you know, go from planning, uh, having a vision, going through the planning and development approvals to building it out. And then seeing homeowners or tenants, depending on, on it, with the 10 years of that uh, build, uh, you see the community build up. So over there, like Steve said, went there, you saw all the kids on the street playing, not just like our tenants in in, the, in those new builds, but also along the street too. That's in stark contrast to when we first bought that that particular project. The corner uh, was a duplex. Um, We bought the parcel, uh, one parcel adjacent as well, which was a single, and they were dilapidated. It was actually on the Scott McGillivray TV show, and he was uh, shocked at how how bad it was. Uh, It was like a drug den. It was a drug den. There was prostitution on the street. We got to know the neighbors really well, uh, and it completely transformed our development spurred other developments on that street infills and we see this on a lot of other projects as well where we even if we're not the first ones we, we, for the second third ones it helps for other developments which helps kind of uh improve the neighborhood and make things more safe and, and build more community
2: for sure you know I, I couldn't agree more because uh as you guys know i'm Khadija and I are in the process of building uh, two detached homes with second suites right now. And it's very satisfying to see, you know, uh, this project going up. I mean, for me personally, the construction portion is the most exciting. Um, you know, and and like you mentioned, the, we bought this uh, piece of land that we, we severed. And it, this was a completely dilapidated house. The, the neighbors were very grateful that we're actually doing something about this and changing and, and the neighborhood and improving it uh, so it is uh, very satisfying to
4: see that I was by the I was oh, sorry I was by the project last week and uh, it's looking fantastic uh, just the exterior is pr- pretty well wrapped up and uh, you're getting their insight so it's looking really good Jose, you're doing a great job. I don't know how you fly down Atlanta, fly
0: all across the world, have all these multis, and then you can do these builds. It's amazing what uh, what you're able to accomplish, and the, the the houses look really great.
2: Yeah, you know, I mean, I I wanted to explore this infill uh, development strategy, and and I, you know, I'm glad I did it uh, because there was the you know uh, somebody had actually offered me to to buy the these lots uh, uh, when they were approved and i'm glad i didn't do that because the the satisfaction that i'm getting now is far more important and uh, satisfying
3: yeah no and i i'd like to add that you know your support and and i i highly recommend anybody looking to do this to check you guys out because i think that that's what i was going to get into now is that you know People who I think that what you were saying that you know encouraging people to do this, there's a huge barrier to entry because it is something that is not in line with what most investors know, right? Most investors we learn, okay, you you buy a house, maybe you do some renovations to increase the value, um, and then you rent it out to a good family, and then you sit, right? And you just deal with uh, maybe a property manager or some service calls, but this is a lot more hands-on, and and it can be quite intimidating, so you know, having you guys really there, I think has been the reason we were able to do this. So I think that, you know, just like anything else, like having a coach or a mentor or somebody to 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 help you accelerates your learning curve so greatly. And And the thing with this is that you can make such drastic mistakes if you don't know what you're doing. Like, it's not something that can just yeah, it's not like a kitchen where you put it in wrong and you can rip it out and just put in new cabinets again, right? Like that that's not what we're talking about here. Um so yeah, no, I I think that what you guys are doing is great and and just really, you know, giving back and educating other people on this because I've talked to other people who want to get into this too. Are like, Oh yeah, I'd love to build and you know, they see they see all this stuff. And it's like, oh, I'm just gonna go buy a piece of land and I'm thinking, oh boy, you know.
2: <laughs> yeah, because I mean development is is a sexy business. I, I gotta say, yeah. <laughs> um, and lots of people want to get into it, but you can, you know, it's, it is a, it's a tough industry and area to get into if, especially if you lack that experience.
3: Yeah. So maybe you can tell us like, what is, what do you think is the biggest challenge in this sort of side of things? Like what, what would be the, sort of the hardest things in terms of is it is it finding the right piece of land? Is it, you know, understanding the approvals process? Or is it even just like the construction side of it? Like what, what are the challenges that people do face?
0: So I think we could, Steve and I could probably go into each segment where I'll talk about the development. He'll talk about the construction. In terms of the development, because I think it's not knowing what you don't know. And when I started eight years ago, you didn't know who to hire. You didn't know the approvals process. Uh, you didn 't know how much capital you 'd need, so i I think it's very important to hire a coach or work together with a builder. So, what I did eight years ago and I jumped into the deep end where I got into larger developments and I highly don 't recommend that start with the smaller scale infills um, i The first six months I tried to do it on my own i didn't even know what a planner was back then and obviously that, as as you 've learned now it 's a it 's a key consultant on on any development project. Uh, I didn't know who that was. So six months in to my first development project, I was wasting all kinds of money and time. And I knew I had to find a coach or partner with somebody. So I reached out to all the local builders, uh, big builders, because it was a larger development, ended up partnering together with uh, with a local builder. And then they taught me everything that I that I know now. So they they mentored me through the large development process. And in exchange, they had the first right of refusal to purchase that project. We ended up doing two projects together. So anyways, long story short, I, I think, yeah, it's not knowing what you like, not knowing what to ask, not knowing like the process and all that. So to solve that, I just recommend either partnering with someone with experience or finding a coach or finding a builder
4: and, and leveraging their experience and, and, and their knowledge. Um, as for the construction, I would say some of the, uh, our peers that have gone through this development process, some people don't actually end up building. So it might be an investor, they have a rental property, they have a a double lot, they end up going through the severance process. And instead of going through the building process, because it it is capital intensive, it is a lot of work, as you guys are well aware, it's very hands on if you're especially if you're managing the project yourself. But uh, so some people won't even jump into the construction, they will sell the the new lot uh, to a builder, uh, somebody like us and they'll they'll make their profit that way, as for going through the construction process it's it's there's only there's a few ways to build a house, but it's relatively all the same steps so it's it's just getting to know what those steps are and who to call and and when to call them Now, I definitely wouldn't recommend trying to to general contract a, a new build yourself if you've done twenty basements then for sure you can you can jump into that. But um, it, it's getting the contacts. It's, it's knowing the whole process from start to, to finish. So at a, a sophisticated investor, can they do it? A hundred percent. But uh, it'd be best to, to, to partner with somebody that has gone through the process. Because, um, yeah, it's one, like you said, uh, it's, it's one thing to, to mess up a little bit of trim. But if you screw up a foundation... Uh, The costs aren't in hundreds hundreds of dollars, it's it's thousands of dollars.
0: And in addition to that, I would say knowing the costs and and budgeting correctly. I think for someone starting off, whether it's development or construction, it's very difficult, even if you have a template, to know how to fill out each item. And even for us, with the way that uh, construction costs have escalated so much with supply chain issues and everything... It's very difficult for us to, to budget too. Jose, we've had a lot of conversations specifically about lumber. And unfortunately, we're, we're all facing the same issues. It's a commodity. It's gone up, it's gone down. It's come back up with like the BC floods. So, you know, I think in terms of knowing what cost to put in, having the right contingencies in place, and as well as in addition to the budget would be the cash flow forecasting. So knowing how much money you're going to need at each stage of the development and at each stage of the construction is something that uh, someone who doesn't have the experience, I think, it's very difficult for them to to complete and, and fill that out. So unless you got unlimited money, um, I would work with someone who has experience working on those on the budget and the cash flow forecasting.
2: Yeah, for sure. No, that that's a great point that you brought up because, like you said, it's extremely capital intensive and you know you got you got to have uh the financing in place uh before you start the construction and you know not you're going to get a construction loan yes but you got to have a lot of the money up front because the way that banks work they they give you draws and and unless you've completed a certain portion they're not going to release that fun, uh, that money so what uh, maybe you, you guys can get into how the financing portion works Uh, and how you guys structure your deals
0: yeah so in terms of the acquisition again we like to uh, use the keep and sever method where we keep the existing house and we sever by doing that we're able to go to the schedule a banks to get a traditional 80 percent loan to value mortgage where it gets tricky is when you do the the severance so when you sever and create a new lot Before you actually complete the severance, you have to go through a process called the partial discharge, meaning they have to discharge that new lot because they're not going to securitize that portion. Now, I might be losing some of your your, your listeners at this point because I know it's a little complicated. In fact, when you go through this process, obviously your your lawyer is going to be involved with this. Talk to your bank early in the process. This process is taking like eight to 12 weeks to get completed. Because a lot of the branches and the branch managers and even people in the central mortgage unit don't really know how to do the partial discharge. I but found it's a... that
4: very surprising when I, uh, <laughs> when I when I was the one walking into to, to the bank to go talk to the branch manager, never thinking I'd never talk to a branch manager, but uh, and teaching him how to do the the partial discharge or how to initiate the process. Um, Basically so. what
0: it is is that they do a new they they do a new appraisal on the existing home and the retained lot. And if that is less than before from when your initial purchase, then you have to pay out a portion of your mortgage. Now, we've been lucky or fortunate or sometimes we had forced appreciation or we did some renovations to the existing home where we've never had to actually pay out any money. Even though we went through the partial discharge, the actual amount of it was 0. Because we had improved the existing house and or in combination with the market appreciation appreciating significantly. So once you get the partial discharge done and so your your, your severed lot is free and clear, your existing house in the retained parcel st- still maintains that, that, that original mortgage. for financing the build, construction financing, you have kind of three different options. One is like cash. so you either have the cash, or you use a home equity line of credit, which is which is quite common, especially for a first build. Uh, two would be going through like a B lender. Uh, and then C would be like through Schedule A banks. Now, Schedule A banks uh, would be very difficult for, for, for some investors, I'd say. Um, th- I think most Schedule A banks prefer uh, owner-occupied. So building your own primary residence, but not so much for... Uh, Spec builds, or or even for purpose built rentals. So the the sweet spot where Steve and myself like we we prefer is with uh, credit unions. So that's like a kind of alternative, where we have really great great relationships with uh, some local credit unions. And um, the same like for on your project as well, Jose, they've been great to to deal with. They are kind of more subjective, where they see your experience, they see what you've done. They're more willing to work with you, I find, especially on construction financing than than a Schedule A bank. Of course, between like... Well, sorry, there's another option. The other option is, is going private. Private will be the most expensive option. Um, however, it will also be the easiest in terms of paperwork. You don't have to go through draws or anything like that. It's typically much more straightforward. Whereas what we're used to with credit unions, after you've reached a certain stage when you need money you go to them requesting a draw amount then they'll either send you have to they'll send a representative and you either have to have an architect or engineer to approve the work that's been done before you certify the draw or in some cases they may force you to hire a quantity surveyor which is also known as a cost consultant it's more expensive than an architect and engineer for them to formally come out see what you've done and certify that draw for five be
4: released. Uh, I'm surprised Jose doesn't have more gray hair. Just yeah, working with I, the cost I, consultant. I, I had to go through
2: <laughs> the, the uh, cost consultant and the amount of paperwork and the amount of proof that they needed was incredible. Uh, yeah, I, I, it was uh, it was a very frustrating process. Yeah,
3: also yes. remember, Jose has twins. So this is like, yeah, I'm going to my office. I'm dealing with Meridian today, right? Like, yeah. it's like... You both look great.
0: I have no yeah. kids. I don't know how you, you <laughs> both do it. <laughs> but you know what it is, Jose? Like, it's like each step, you know, through the development, conceptually development and construction is simple, or it should be simple. But unfortunately, because of the red tape or because of this and that and policies and like you're talking about what you're going through with a cost consultant, there's so much to each step. And like, as you go through, uh, we find that you build those relationships, you have the reputation, um, those all get easier. But unfortunately, at the beginning, there is kind of a high barrier where you have to go through all the BS, let's say, the red tape um, before it gets easier.
2: Yeah. And I guess, you know, with... But my next build, perhaps in the future, will be easier because I kind of know what to expect, right? And I'm a little bit more uh, prepared in advance. uh, So that that will help. I'm happy to say you would even do it again. (laughs) 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 I didn't know I was uh,
4: worried you were going to get scared away.
3: Tell us this, like, what's the process of actually looking for the right site look like? And I mean, I'm assuming that that's a very important piece as well, selecting the right piece of land.
4: You did mention it earlier as well as the sense, like, what are some of the challenges? And actually, like, there are plenty of opportunities out there um, in town as well as out of town. Uh, We recently did a project up in Wasega Beach. Now, we're not doing the build up there uh, because of many reasons, but uh, there is ample opportunity. But um, with the market the way it is right now, it's where we might have found some of these projects a year ago on MLS. Now we, we don't even look there because of how silly things are. So um, this, I guess, Charles, did you want to get into kind of what specifically you look for?
2: I know you got into like the keep and sever method, um, but perhaps like what, uh, like maybe certain lot sizes are more uh, lucrative
0: yeah i guess it's i'd say it depends on the municipality but like just as to keep it simple for the listeners would be just look for like the green like look for extra lawns look for those extra like large corner lots uh double lots are ones where the house is on a side and it could be a driveway beside or a dilapidated garage or a shed just look for those extra those gaps like right what we're doing is we're filling in the gaps filling in the missing teeth so as you drive around, you know, look for those gaps and try to target those those properties. Uh, so we we do we have multiple ways of of for acquisitions. Used to MLS was was part of it. Now the market's gone really crazy. We're we're going less and less there. Wholesalers we've we've bought through wholesalers. We've we've done off market uh, and even off market. We've 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 gotten pretty creative with uh, different ways there as well. Um, but, but yeah, I think, you know, we just kind of keep it simple. Just look for those large lots in Hamilton and even on, 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 on your lot there, uh, 50 foot is a very common, uh, frontage in, in the lower city. And there's a lot of lots you see here in Hamilton that are severed two twenty five by let's say a hundred foot deep lots. The frontage is very, very important. So that's one thing that I would probably stress to your listeners Look for wide frontage. Like that is probably the one most important thing when it comes to uh, severances and development. Then number two, there would be the lot depth. So a lot of times, sometimes we find where it's 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 very. It, let's say it's a quarter lot. It could be very wide on the frontage. Uh, sorry, it could be very deep along the side, but then the frontage is too narrow. On the backside, it's uh it's too narrow. So you can't fit a semi, or sometimes you can't even fit, fit a single. So yeah, you you really want to look at the the wide enough lot frontage, and then coupled to that would be the depth to combine for for sufficient lot area.
4: And then uh, there's some basic numbers we use, and like Charles said, we we first if you wanted to sever off and build a single, we aim for that 25. Um, for us, if we wanted to say sever and build a maybe two semi detach, uh, we would aim for that. Uh, like, 22 to to 25 foot for a semi, eat per semi. And then um, for townhouses, we typically go with like a, a minimum of 20 foot frontage for townhouses. Um, so if you had, if you're able to sever 60 feet off of a property um, and the zoning allowed, we would try to put maybe three townhouses there at 20, 20 and 20.
0: Yeah, that's a good general rule of thumb. 30 feet minimum for a single 25 feet Uh, minimum for per semi, and 20 feet frontage minimum for for a townhouse. And when you're looking at a parcel, like for us, a lot of it is done online, just through a computer. There are a lot of um, interactive mapping tools online. So if you look up City of Hamilton interactive mapping tool or City of Kitchener, most municipalities have these interactive mapping tools where you can zoom in onto a parcel and measure. They'll have measuring tools. Uh, let's say for the side yard, from the house to the side lot line. Oh, we have thirty feet. Then you have to account for some of the the, um, the setbacks and stuff. But at least when you know uh, the distance that you have from the house to the side, then you can know kind of what what you might be able to propose. Maybe it's one single, maybe it's, uh, it's two semis. And of course, we, in terms of de- determining highest and best use, which is one of the most important steps in the development process, we also look at you know, if we, if we demolish the house, what can we build? So we don't always just do keep and sever. Uh, Sometimes it makes sense to demolish because you'll gain um, extra units or because it makes sense for, for, for the project.
2: Perfect. And so maybe tell us about what your current projects look like right now. Um, You know, maybe where they're located. um, If you want to get into something like that, like, uh yeah, maybe you, just like you an overview have, yeah an overview of what you, what, what you guys are up to
0: yeah we've uh we've grown significantly um we have i think around like 15 projects on, on the go at different stages now some of them are, are smaller scale like really small uh compared to other ones and um saint catherine's hamilton and now toronto are the three markets where we have projects in uh back in 2017 i was in Hamilton. And the market was crazy like it is now. And that's when we kind of expanded out to St. Catharines to look at other areas. Because I find even though we prefer to be the experts in one geographic location, it's becoming harder and harder, especially with uh, the way that markets has gone. So it's forced us to go into other markets. So those are the three main markets that we we have projects in. And they range from uh, single lot severance up to 16 townhouses that we're proposing.
2: Uh, Steve, what, can you tell us the, what, um, what, what type of uh, product you're building? Is it primarily for you know, built to rent? Or are you now looking at uh, buying uh, and then pre-selling them?
4: So we're actually doing a little bit of uh, both. Or, or, um, so what we're doing, our, our most recent or our upcoming build, uh, we're actually looking forward to this one. But uh, it's going to be just a single-family home. Uh, but it's going to be uh like a better quality uh it's not uh purpose built for rental it's just going to be a straight up single family home uh so this one we're going to we're going to build it and we're going to we're going to sell it um we are uh warranted by Tarion, uh which you do require if you're going to build and sell a, a home so this one is an a end user product uh we do have some townhouse units coming up that we will potentially be building as purpose-built rentals and then we have some of the bigger projects where the only way you're going to be able to finance these things is if we do the pre-sale so they will be their townhouses but they will be uh uh, they will be condos and but sold to to end users not to uh to tenants so we have a little bit of everything
0: and for the larger sites uh lenders typically require you to pre-sale 75 percent of your units
3: yeah, no, that's amazing. That's uh, that's a lot of projects, yes, <laughs> uh, a lot of moving parts.
2: Close uh, so, to you guys. Yeah, that's it. That's keeps, awesome. it keeps
0: us extremely busy. Uh, we could we could use some more help and more money. Yeah, <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. As always.
2: Yeah.
3: So, what do you envision for the next sort of two to three years for the company? What do you guys see yourself doing? Are Are you going to continue with the infill side of things, or do you see yourself trying to do sort of more of? Uh, the larger projects maybe further out? Uh, where do you see the company growing? I guess growing? more
2: than three years, but yeah, into the Yeah, three future. to five years. Is that yeah, any, you know, the, kind of we, the we love
0: infills. We we believe in infills. Uh, and just because it's infill doesn't necessarily mean it's a small scale. It's all relative. Uh, if you're looking at the huge builders, then, then obviously it's small. But even like the 12, 16 unit sites that we have are considered small scale infills. Uh, I think we'll continue to grow that where we'll have a mix of uh, really small, let's say one, two, three units. Uh, and then our I think our plan would be to grow into some some larger uh, sites still kind of kind of infills though. Um, but that being said, this year we've kind of uh, planned for to kind of maintain. We've grown extremely fast, and that's come with growing pains. Um, and we're all at on our team, everyone's at one hundred and twenty percent capacity right now. So over the past six months, our team has doubled in size, uh, from on the back end, office manager, office coordinator, to people who work on the development, to construction. And so that comes with its own set of growing pains and processes and systems that we need to put in place. And we also just purchased a, a new office. So there's lots on the go. Um, so this year, we got a... Focus less on acquisitions and more on maintaining our moving, pushing forward our current projects and just getting like a a real good base and building the infrastructure of our company, of our processes before we scale again, starting. Yeah. A good heads up
4: to this was uh, about a month ago, I put together a uh, a development timeline and basically wrote out all our projects coming up over the next few years, uh, broke it down into quarters, and started uh, putting in X's for when this project's gonna be active. Uh, so, where this year we may have, I don't know, let's say seven or eight active projects, uh, next year was gonna be like nine new builds, plus, say, another seven or eight flips, plus two bigger projects actively um, being developed. Uh, so, and then going into 2024, it was over 30 uh, projects. So, it was uh, seeing it on a timeline. It was a good heads up, like uh, Charles described it as kind of slowing down before we speed up. Um, And so it was a good uh, reality check uh, of getting our policies and processes and protocols in place. So when the gauntlet does uh, come down the line that we're ready.
3: Yeah, I know. And, uh, you know, I was going to ask you guys, like development is like a... It's like, it's like a marathon, right? Whereas like a flip is like, you know, like a sprint, right? You do, you do it quick. Uh, How do you guys maintain your endurance? Like what, how do you maintain your motivation? How do you continue to work on your mindset so that you can over, cause you know, you're, you're making it sound amazing and it is, but you know, there is a lot of crap that yeah. I'm sure you deal with. Excuse my language. Every day, <laughs> it is not an easy game for anybody listening. This, this, that,
2: uh, that's this putting it nicely. <laughs> no, <laughs> nicely.
3: so so I mean, tell us. You know, what, how do you guys stay smiling and stay growing and 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 sort of just keep your sanity and keep your motivation and there? Not
2: get more gray hair. Yeah, and, and or lose more <laughs> Steve doesn't have that many left. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs. laughs> <laughs> you,
0: you know what it is? I think it comes down. Yeah, yeah. It comes down to the team. We have a we have an incredible incredible team, and uh, we all have s- similar mindsets and personality types. Uh, we we love the, kind of the chaos, and we do our best to organize that chaos. And um, we're we're very positive and solutions oriented. Where we we help buoy each other up. Like we come to the office, and we're all kind of saying positive things to each other. And um, like even some of our meetings. We start off with a segue uh, each week with this meeting where you say one good thing that happened personally for the past week and one good thing that happened in business. So there's a lot of things that we've kind of done to keep us all motivated uh, and kind of jacked up for for the day. But I would say with the personality types that we've hired and brought on, everyone has already kind of like has that naturally anyway. So there's not too much that we need to do to, to get everyone going. We just love the 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 challenge and 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 uh, yeah. So it's it, it's worked out quite well for us.
2: Oh, that's that's incredible. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. This this is not a easy business uh, because you know just for the listeners, the timelines are long. Uh, you could be two years, sometimes three years, before you start building, and so by the time you actually get paid. It could be three, four years down the line. So you got to have that staying power, um, you know, uh, to be in this business.
0: Absolutely. And I want to add a couple other things there. Uh, like we we like to celebrate our wins and we have a celebrations board and we have a, a weekly team meeting and every single week, there's always multiple things to celebrate. And it doesn't have to be big. Maybe we order burritos together or or whatever but we always want to celebrate th- those small wins as we go through the journey and like it's, it's such a cliche but it's not about the destination it's about having fun during the journey together and we're all having fun so it doesn't seem like like work to us and and the other thing i would say is that we pipeline our projects not everything is three to five years and in fact we have some flips that are that give us short-term cash flow so there we are. we can celebrate um, like inspection passing all the way to closing. Then we have some, some of our small scale infills that take two years to complete and those get staggered. And then we typically have one or two large projects that's three to five years. So there's always things happening. There's always some things to celebrate. So I think, again, staying positive, putting those those processes in place to reinforce um, the positivity and as well as celebrating the, those, those wins and staggering our projects has really helped us uh, stay focused on on, uh, just doing good work every day.
3: Yeah, I know you guys are both such positive people, so definitely resonates through. (laughs) Um, yeah. So, I mean, uh, yeah, we've, we've talked a lot about uh, so many interesting things and you guys are, we could, we could, we could ask you so many more questions, but we're sort of coming to the end of our time here. We wanted to sort of end off with maybe just, uh, both of you giving us a quote, I know it's cliche, but honestly, quotes are so powerful. All of our guests, are they love their quotes. We all have quotes on our walls. They're so motivating and speak so much to our own values and, and sort of what we believe in. So um, maybe you guys could each share with us a, a sort of a quote that resonates with you know how you live or business or something that's really special or motivational to you.
0: It's, it's uh, funny that you asked that. As you were saying that, I was thinking right before when we're talking about the positivity. So right on the back of our company sweaters, we have, uh, yeah, here it comes. Look, <laughs> He's here. Gonna Steve's to on that. video. So you're yeah. <laughs> listening to so Lacy, Check this out. There it is. Success is the sum of small efforts repeated day in and day out. And truly we all believe in this. And it goes back to your last question of how we stay motivated. And that is one of them. We know that the small things that we do every single day will lead up to, to bigger things like in the, in the long run. So that that's the quote that resonates with me.
4: I, I look at it every day and and uh yeah, I, I it,
0: it truly resonates with me.
4: And, and the there's uh there's one I sent Charles yesterday and I, I have this up on my wall as well. It's a Ray Dalio quote. And it's uh, sincerely believe that you might not know the best possible path and recognize that your ability to deal well with not knowing is more important than whatever whatever it is you do know. Um so that one's always uh I, I like staring at that one just to realize um uh, I can handle not knowing what I don't know.
3: And Steve, who who is that quote by? Ray
4: Dalio. Ray Dalio. Ray Dalio. okay. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, that is yeah, that's that's a brilliant. Good, yeah,
3: no, they're both good quotes. And yeah, I know it's it it it's definitely motivating to see that sort of thing, right? It
2: just keeps you and and you know what the these quotes just reminded me that as an entrepreneur, it is that's what makes entrepreneurs special because uh, you're going into the unknown, right? You, 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 you know, you don't know what you're going to encounter, but you're going to, you have to be resilient. You have to, uh, you know, uh, go along with the punches and the setbacks and, and keep moving forward and, and have a smile while doing it.
3: So. <laughs> yeah. And, and try to enjoy yourself every step of the way. Right. Yeah, um,
2: exactly. Like with Steve's quote there, the one that I used
0: to think about a lot before was Steve Jobs quote. And it Truly resonate with me for one being an entrepreneur, but as well as with development, which Jose is saying, like there's a lot of uncertainty in the future, and that's uh, you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backward. So you have to trust that the dots will somehow connect in your future. And I think that's what really embodies what uh, entrepreneurship, but especially like in development and construction, what uh, what it is.
3: Yeah, I know. So thank you guys both again. It was really nice speaking with you, and uh, I'm sure. Everybody can learn so much from this. And and I think, yeah, really just understanding that, you know, it is possible to get into this and it, it, you know, start small and reach out to Steve and Charles. Um, If people want to get in touch, can you give us a little bit of information about your course and how they can reach you? We'll put it in the show notes as well.
0: Yeah, so they could uh, go online if anyone's interested in uh, Infill Developments training or education, go to www.infilldevelopments.com. Um, our company website is gatewaygroup.ca and uh, on Instagram we have uh gatewaygroupca is is one of them our company, there's Infill Developments. And then Steve and I both have our personal, let him share his. Mine is just my name, Charles Watt. So Charles, W-A-H is my uh, Instagram handle. And awesome. Steve, yours Yours Mine like is, Steve
4: Ford, 18 or something. That's it exactly. I was 18. <laughs> oh, I got <laughs> it. I, 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 I might've been 18 when I made it, but I'm not sure. I don't think Instagram, Instagram wasn't around when I was 18. But
3: uh, <laughs> Okay, so, we'll definitely add it to uh, the show notes. So I encourage awesome. people to check you guys out um, and definitely oh, yeah, th- th- Thank
0: you both so much for, for having us. It's been a it pleasure. It was a pleasure and uh yeah, congratulations on, lot, on this podcast i think it's going to deliver a lot of value to to your listeners i know the content is going to be incredible um so if there's anything that uh, steve and i can do to support the podcast if you want us to come back on
4: we're we're happy to do that anytime. awesome Absolutely.
3: yeah we'll definitely we'll take you up on that cool all right guys. sounds good
4: all right Bye. have a uh, great family day weekend
1: have a great weekend I hope you enjoyed today's conversation on the Savvy Real Estate Investor Show. Make sure to hit subscribe or follow on whichever platform you are listening to this on. If you liked this episode, please write a review and share it with us. We are getting the show up and running right now, so every message, every review, and every note counts. This show exists to showcase how investors at any level can start using and leverage real estate to become savvy wealth builders. If you want to learn more about how we can potentially help you create more passive income and build your wealth faster, go to www.savvyrealestateinvestor.com. Once again, it's www.savvyrealestateinvestor.com. All right, that's a wrap. We can't wait to hang out with you on the next episode.